أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا محمد عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ما بعد Welcome to another episode of our tafsir uh, page by page and inshallah ta'ala today we are on page number 24 of the Quran and that is the second juz surah al-Baqarah in the previous episode, uh, the last few verses, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke about some of the main characteristics and uh, acts of worship that the believers should have in order to remain steadfast upon this religion, in order to be able to overcome the challenges of the dunya. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned them as being dhikr of Allah azza wa jalla, his remembrance, shukr, which is gratitude, uh, sabr, which is patience, and salah, which is prayer. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now mentions... Uh, one of the other ways in which a person sacrifices themselves for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that is those who fight for the religion of Allah azza wa and die as a result therefore earning the status of martyrdom. And it is important to remember that when we speak about these verses of fighting or striving or jihad to give it its, its uh, Arabic name, the uh, what is being referenced here and what is being referred to is the jihad that is in accordance to the principles and the teachings of the sharia. Not what we see, unfortunately, in our time or in recent times, uh, people who commit acts of extremism or terrorism, people who go around uh, hurting the innocent and, and women and children and, and other people who, and sometimes even Muslims, uh, as is sometimes the case, are harmed as a result of what people may term as acts of jihad, but in reality, they are far removed from it. Jihad, like with everything else in Islam, has its parameters, it has its rulings, it has its uh, its criteria and its definitions and, and so on and so forth that are found in the works and the books of fiqh. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises the people of jihad or he praises the martyrs and so on, it is those people in that context. As even in the time of the Prophet wasallam, the Prophet wasallam would place restrictions upon the companions in terms of what it is that they can and they can't do when it comes to fighting. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in verse number 154, Allah azza praises those people who show through their patience and their perseverance that type of sacrifice and that willingness to sacrifice for the sake of Allah Azza wa Jal. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَا تَقُولُوا لِمَنْ يُقْتَلُ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ أَمْوَاتٍ بَلْ أَحْيَاءٌ وَلَكِنْ لَا تَشْعُرُونَ Do not say that those who are killed in Allah's cause are dead, rather they are alive, though you do not realize it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises in the Quran in a number of places those people who are willing to sacrifice their lives for the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah Azza wa mentions elsewhere in the Quran that those people are alive with the Lord being provided for. And they are enjoy and happy with the blessings that Allah Azza wa Jal, uh, that He has bestowed upon them and the grace and mercy that He has shown to them. And so likewise Allah Azza wa Jal is saying here, that do not be, do not say concerning those people that have died, that have been martyred, that they are simply dead. 
broader they are, living the life of the next life, the life of the barzakh, which is the life of the grave, in a way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed and determined for them. But they are living a life that Allah has given to them in it blessings. And that Allah Azza wa Jal has given, it, given in it to them uh, much mercy and forgiveness and His generosity subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah Azza wa Jal in verse number 155 and the two or three verses that will follow now, speaks about the challenges and the difficulties and the hardships and the trials and tests of the dunya. So as we mentioned in the last few verses, Allah has spoken about sacrifice, He's spoken about steadfastness, He's spoken about the need for us to constantly be remembering Allah and praising Him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now in verse 155 will speak about the reality of the dunya. And that is the dunya and its reality is that it is a life of test. It is a place of trial and test. And therefore, by definition, a place that is a place of hardship, of trial and test, must also be a place of discomfort and pain. Must also be a place where you must expect that certain things will not go your way. And the closer you are to Allah, the more that you yearn and strive for the Akhirah, then it is likely that Allah will test you more and more. And that is why as the Prophet told us, the people who had the greatest of tests were the Prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if tests were uh, bad by very definition, they were all evil and bad, then the Prophets of Allah would have been saved from them. But the test can be used in a way that or can be responded to in a way that is good or a way that is bad. You can use that test to come close to Allah or to be distanced from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is the way that you approach it and the way that you deal with those tests and trials that Allah places before you in this dunya. And remember that the whole dunya is one big test. So therefore, when you are tested with small things with regards to wealth or health or children or family, whatever it may be, or religion, then those things are part of the greater test, which is the test of the dunya. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives an example of this and he says, highlighting this principle and the way that the believer responds to tests he says we shall certainly test you with fear and hunger and a loss of property and lives and crops but give glad tidings and good news to those who are patient and steadfast so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala very clearly in this verse says that it will be very likely that you will be tested with a number of different things. Not every person will receive every test. Some people may receive more than others. But it is a reality of this life that you will be tested. As Allah says at the beginning of Surah Al-Mulk, الَّذِي خَلَقَ الْمَوْتَ وَالْحَيَاةَ لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ وَعَمَلًا He is the one, meaning Allah who created life and death, to test you and see which one of you is best in action. So therefore here Allah Azza wa is saying, we shall certainly, وَلَنَبْلُوَنَّكُمْ Of a certainty, of a surety, we will test you with fear. So you fear for yourself, or you fear for your family, or you fe- live in fear because of your religion and your beliefs and what it is that you choose to practice in terms of the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَالْجُوعَ And hunger. And I want you as we go through this to look at how Many of these tests that Allah is going to be mentioning here because Allah is mentioning categories of tests. Those tests, how most of them, if not all of them, applied to the prophets of Allah and applied to our own messenger and the lives of the companions who had to live in fear for their lives and their wealth and their families when they lived in Mecca. And they lived in hunger 
because of the lack of, of resources that they had and the lack of wealth and provisions that they, that they had, whether in the Meccan period or even afterwards when they came to Medina. As our mother Aisha radiallahu anha mentioned, that the Prophet wasallam sometimes in his house, a month or two would pass and they wouldn't light a fire for cooking. And times would come upon them weeks on end and they would survive upon water and upon dates. And so therefore, their existence was something which was extremely simple. And they went through periods of time of extreme hunger. And if you read the books of the Sunnah, you will see a hadith in which some of the companions say that we could see the hunger in the face of the Prophet ﷺ. That the companions, because of their poverty, would take stones and they would wrap them around their stomachs and their bellies in order to make them shrink and make them feel as if they are full. And the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, whereas other companions would place one rock or stone upon their stomach, he would have two sallallahu alaihi wasallam because of the hunger that he was experiencing. min al-amwali wal-anfusi wal-thamarat, and he will be tested in the loss of property and lives and crops. How many of us have had to endure the loss of loved ones and people that are close to us? How many have had to endure the loss of wealth because their businesses collapsed, or maybe they got fired from their jobs, or they lost money one way or another? And produce, crops, uh, property that you had, things that you own and they have, they have become lost one way or another. And that doesn't always mean that people have stolen or taken, away from you, taken things away from you oppressively. No, sometimes it is just the natural course of the dunya and life that you lose certain things. And so Allah Azza says all of these are tests, all of these are categories of tests. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَبَشِّرِ sabirin, Give glad tidings to those who are patient. So therefore, there are two types of people when it comes to these types of tests. The first is the one that Allah Azza wa will, will speak about now in more detail, and that is the patient. And we will go on to speak about them, inshallah, shortly. But the second are those people who are impatient, who don't recognize the test, who when the test comes, they're people who don't have the ability to overcome them through their patience and worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but they are people who become despondent, who turn away from Allah azza wa jal, who complain and criticize, for example, the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who question why they are the ones being tested when they've done nothing wrong and they're good people, not realizing that it's got nothing to do with good or bad, because if it had, then the Prophet ﷺ would never have been tested. If it was to do with your levels of righteousness and piety, then why would Allah have tested the likes of Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman and Ali radiallahu anhum? But it's to do with your level of iman that Allah is testing, because when things are easy, it is, some, it is easy for most people to continue being good. But it is at times of difficulty and challenge and hardship that you see the true test of a person. And that is why when the Prophet once passed by a woman who was crying because she had lost a loved one, and anyone who has lost a close family member knows how difficult it can be, and knows the challenge that that poses for a person. And even if you haven't lost someone who's close to you, you can probably imagine that if you were to lose someone that you love dearly, the gap that it would leave in your life and the adjustment that it would take from you in order to be able to carry on that shock, especially if it is a sudden loss. This woman had lost someone and so she was crying. The Prophet ﷺ passed by her and he advised her to be patient. 
Be patient with the decree of Allah. As we know, Allah allows us to cry, but not to wail. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows us to mourn the loss of the loved one, but it shouldn't be over a certain period of time or for longer than a certain period of time. Why? Because we know ultimately that inshallah the believers are going back to their Lord. And that the believers, all of us inshallah, will be reunited with our loved ones from the believers in the highest levels of Jannah by Allah's mercy. And so therefore we're pleased with Allah's decree, even if that decree is one that is difficult to bear or one that is painful to bear. However, the woman, when she heard this admonition, not realizing that it was the Prophet ﷺ who was by her, but because she's overcome with her grief, she says, leave me alone. Don't talk to me. You don't know what I'm going through. And so she responds in a way that is the opposite to the way that the believer should be. The Prophet leaves her and goes, leaves her, because he knows she's distressed, leaves her. So the people around her say, don't you know that that was the Prophet that you just spoke to? You, that's how you just responded to Allah's Messenger So she comes back after the Prophet and she says, Oh Messenger of Allah, I didn't realize it was you. The Prophet said to her, Indeed, true patience is when calamity first strikes. And that is what Allah says here, Give glad tidings to the patient. How, who are the patient? How do we define them? Because everyone may be patient after a certain amount of time, six months, a year, ten years, and now we're patient. But no, the patience that Allah Azza wa is referring to is the one that Allah then mentions in verse 156. Those who say when afflicted with a calamity, we belong to Allah and to Him we shall return. In every challenge, in every hardship, in every test, the believer knows that it is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, number one. And number two, that Allah azza wa is looking to see how they will respond. And number three, therefore, that if they turn to Allah azza wa with patience and steadfastness and increase in iman and in worship, that Allah azza wa makes that time of difficulty a means of their being raised in level. The Prophet told us وسلم, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed for certain people a level in Jannah. But they will never attain that level in Jannah by virtue of their own good deeds. They don't have enough to reach that level of Jannah. So Allah places upon them tests and as a result of their patience they attain that high level of Jannah. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we don't see that Allah gives us this pain and difficulty for a limited period of time because Allah wants us to have eternal reward and happiness in the next life. And so the believer has to bear that difficulty. And yes, it is sometimes extremely difficult. And for sometimes it seems that some people, it seems like they have one challenge after another, one test upon another but they still remain patient, turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Doesn't Allah Azza wa in the Quran give us the stories of the likes of Yaqub and his son Yusuf alayhim salam and the many tests that they went through? Or the example of the likes of Ayyub alayhi salam with his disease and illness. So many examples. Look at the example of our own Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, whether it's the death of Khadija radiallahu anha or a number of his children or the killing of his companions or the persecution of the Quraysh. Problem after problem, challenge upon challenge. But look at the way that the Prophet ﷺ responds. And so when the calamity strikes, the believer remembers Allah before anything else. The first thing that comes to their mind is that this is from Allah. To Allah we belong to Him, we shall return. Meaning Allah is my Lord. He created me. He controls me. He owns me. And therefore Allah, what Allah decrees with for me, I am pleased with. Because ultimately I will turn back to Allah, return back to Allah and Allah will judge me. 
those people who are like that. Allah says in verse 157, These will be given blessings and mercy from their Lord, and it is they who are rightly guided. Allah says that those people who in those times of calamity turn to Allah and remember Allah, what does Allah say? They will have Allah's blessings and they will have Allah's mercy. And they are the rightly guided. That is a sign of their true guidance. And that is why the Prophet told us وسلم, in that beautiful hadith of Umm Salama that the one who at the time of calamity makes this dua that Allah mentioned in verse 156 and then says, Allahumma ajurni fi musibati wa khulufni khayram minha. Oh Allah Azza wa Jal, allow, give me my reward in this calamity. Give me my reward in this calamity. And give me something in its place that is better. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward them and give them something better in its place. To the extent that Umm Salama said that I made this dua after my husband Abu Salama passed away. And I thought to myself, who could possibly be better than Abu Salama? Who could possibly be replacing Abu Salama that is better than him? And within a short period of time, the Prophet ﷺ himself proposed to Umm Salama and she becomes from the mother of the believers. That is the mercy of Allah and His blessings that He bestows upon the believers. So these verses are amazing in showing that if you have within your heart that belief and iman and you show in your actions that remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that patience and steadfastness, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is showing that for the believers, this is a, a verse of consolation. It is a verse that gives us contentment and happiness and peace, that Allah azza wa tests those whom He loves and those whom He doesn't love. But the difference is that those whom He loves remember Him at times of test and hardship, and they come closer to Him. And so Allah azza wa says that just as this is a sign of iman, a sign of the heart of iman, an internal sign of faith, then likewise there are signs that Allah has placed openly. There are signs that point to Him subhanahu wa ta'ala and from those signs and landmarks is are the two mountains of As-Safa and Marwa. Allah says in verse 158, Indeed, Safa and Marwa are from the signs or the symbols or the rights of Allah Safa and Marwa, those two mountains, when we go for Umrah or for Hajj, we make Sa'i between them. Allah says, فَمَنْ حَجَّ الْبَيْتَ وَاعْتَمَرَ فَلَا جُنَاحَ عَلَيْهِ أَنْ يَطَّوَّفَ بِهِمَا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that those who make major or minor pilgrimage, the Hajj or the Umrah, to the house, it is no offense upon them to circulate between the two or to make the uh, sa'i between the two. It is said that one of the reasons for this, uh, the revelation of this verse is that there used to be idols upon these two mountains that the Quraysh and some of the Arabs used to worship. And so therefore when people became Muslims, some of them disliked that they should go and do things on a place where people used to openly worship other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And for others amongst the Arabs, they used to have certain places in and around the Haram or just outside the Haram that they would worship gods. And those were their places of worship. And they wouldn't accept certain other idols because different tribes had different idols that they would venerate. And so some of them had these issues when they became new Muslims as to what is allowed and not allowed. And so Allah said to them that there is no harm upon you to go and to make sa'i between Safa and Marwa because it is from the rights of Allah the rights that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed in this religion in terms of worship. وَمَنْ تَطَوَّعَ خَيْرًا فَإِنْ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ شَاكِرٌ عَلِيمٌ Anyone who does good of his own accord will be rewarded. For Allah Azza wa rewards good deeds and knows everything. 
And so therefore whoever wants to do more in terms of good, if you want to do extra acts of worship that Allah has legislated, you want to make extra tawaf, you want to read more Quran, you want to do extra praise, you want to give extra sadaqah, you want to make extra uh, extra umrahs and hajj and extra fasting and so on, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is someone who is shakir, always rewarding those people who do good deeds, alim, while knowing and all knowing of that which it is that you do. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then moves on in verse 159 to speak about those people who conceal that which Allah has revealed of his revelation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَكْتُمُونَ مَا أَنزَلْنَا مِنَ الْبَيِّنَاتِ وَالْهُدَى مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا بَيَّنَّاهُ لِلنَّاسِ فِي الْكِتَابِ مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا بَيَّنَّاهُ لِلنَّاسِ فِي الْكِتَابِ أُولَئِكَ يَلْعَنُهُمُ اللَّهُ وَيَلْعَنُهُمُ اللَّاعِنُونَ As for those who hide the proofs and guidance we sent down, after we have made them clear to the people in the scripture, then Allah Azza wa Jal will curse them and all of the people will curse them. All of those that can curse will curse them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in this surah as we've seen, uh, Surah Al-Baqarah is a surah as we've mentioned before that speaks about strengthening your iman and belief in Allah Azza wa Jal. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala throughout this surah has given examples of how that is done in practical ways, both internally in terms of your internal iman and in the way that you manifest that iman upon your actions. So when we have, for example, the story of the people of the cow in the time of Musa salam, that is a story of submission. And we also had in the previous couple of episodes that we, we had, the story of the changing of the qibla. Another example of people who can attest, who can turn to Allah Azza wa Jal, submitting with iman, and those who will refuse to acknowledge Allah Azza wa Jal's rights upon them, and therefore will refuse. And likewise, Allah Azza wa Jal, in the episode today, we've mentioned these verses of turning to Allah Azza wa Jal in times of hardship and calamity and remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah Azza wa Jal now speaks about those people who don't do that, whose iman isn't strong, who will conceal what they know to be the truth simply because they don't want to follow it and they want to follow their desires instead. Allah Azza wa Jal says, as for those who hide the proofs and guidance that we sent down to them, meaning in the previous scriptures, the signs that they have that attest to the truthfulness of the Prophet ﷺ, that they should be following him, that they should be believing in him, that they should be accepting the message and the revelation that he came with. Allah Azzawajal says, Those are the people that are distanced from Allah Azzawajal. They have the curse of Allah. And as we mentioned before, the curse of Allah is the exact opposite to the mercy of Allah Azzawajal. If mercy is everything that is good, it is blessing, it is generosity and kindness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then the curse of Allah and his la'na is to be removed from that mercy. It is to be distanced from that mercy. And if Allah's mercy is so encompassing, that as, as Allah Azza wa said, that his mercy encompasses or overcomes his anger, and that everything in this earth needs the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then for the disbelievers on Yawm Al-Qiyamah to be distanced from that mercy of Allah Azza wa and to have his anger and his wrath and his curse, it shows to you how severe that is. But not only does Allah curse them, everything else in creation also curses them. Allah Azza wa says in verse 160, however, the exception to that curse are those people who then turn back to Allah Azza wa Jal and they repent to Him. In illa tabu wa aslahu wa bayyanu faulaika tubu alayhim wa anat tawabur rahim. Unless they repent, make amends, and declare the truth, 
Allah says he will certainly accept their repentance for indeed I am the one who often accepts repentance, the most merciful. Allah therefore gives us the conditions of tawbah and repentance. Number one is that you repent and that is to show remorse and it is to show regret and with sincerity to turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number two, to make amends. Meaning that you forgo that sin, that you make a firm conviction that you will never do it again, that you dislike sinning and disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And even when you sin, it is that remorse and regret of the heart that takes you back to Allah Azza wa Jal. when they declare the truth, meaning they right the wrongs that they were upon. So for the one who's a non-Muslim, they declare the truth of becoming a Muslim. And as Muslims, if you have oppressed others, then you right that wrong, you declare where the truth is. Those are the conditions of a tawbah. And if you do so, Allah says that He will always accept that repentance. Allah Azza wa loves those who repent, as Allah says elsewhere in the Quran, إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ التَّوَّابِينَ Allah loves those who continuously repent to Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so Allah Azza wa loves the people of repentance. So therefore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, for the disbelievers that their path of repentance is to accept Islam, openly declare it and turn to Allah Azza in worship. But for the believers also, that the door of repentance is open. And that is what one of the greatest signs of Iman is. So if previously, for example, you have been from amongst those people that have found it difficult to accept some of Allah's commands. You find it difficult to accept that you have to pray or wear the hijab or that the man should grow his beard or whatever it may be, you have difficulties accepting certain laws of Allah Azza wa And so you have fallen short in terms of fulfilling your obligations, in terms of fulfilling the rights that Allah Azza wa has over and above you. Then you still have now the path to tawbah. And that regret and remorse that you feel in your heart, don't just let it sit there and don't do anything about it, but rather take it and turn it into an act of worship. And Allah Azza wa loves that act of worship. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves the people of repentance. And Allah Azza wa as the Prophet told us sallallahu alayhi wa that if you were a people who never sinned, then Allah would remove you and He would bring a group of people or a creation that would sin so that it may turn to Allah Azza wa in forgiveness and that Allah Azza wa may forgive them. Allah knows that it is human nature to sin. Allah knows that it is in human nature to be weak, to be forgetful, to, to become distracted because of the dunya and so on. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows this. And that is why it is from the mercy of Allah azza wa that when you turn to Him in, in repentance, Allah forgives you for those sins. But Allah azza wa once again goes on to those people who don't, who don't repent. And they die upon that disbelief. Allah Azza wa says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا وَمَاتُوا وَهُمْ كُفَّارٌ أُولَئِكَ أُولَئِكَ عَلَيْهِمْ لَعْنَةُ اللَّهِ وَالْمَلَائِكَةِ وَالنَّاسِ أَجْمَعِينَ In verse 161, as for those who disbelieve and die as disbelievers, Allah says that He will shower His curse or that He will place His curse upon them as will the angels and all of humankind. So those people in this life we all have the opportunity to perform tawbah and to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But someone who dies upon disbelief, who dies, then they will have the fire of hell for eternity. And Allah azza wa will have will place upon them his curse and the angels will curse them and all of humankind curses them. Allah azza wa says in verse 162, They will remain in the state of rejection, meaning in the fire, in the curse and the anger of Allah Azza wa their punishment will never be lightened, nor will they find reprieve. The fire of hell never becomes light. 
the fire of hell never diminishes in terms of its severity in punishment. Nor will they be given reprieve, meaning they don't get a day off, they don't get an hour. It's not like the fire of the dunya that you have to keep, that, that after a while it lessens in terms of its severity and its heat, that after a while that fire extinguishes itself. No, this fire of the hell never becomes less, nor is there any reprieve from it, meaning that there is no escape from it. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then concludes in verse 163. We conclude page 24 with this verse. Allah azza wa jal therefore tells us what is the way to success and what is the way to salvation. And that is to believe in him alone and to worship him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِلَاهُكُمْ إِلَاهُ وَاحِدٌ لَا إِلَاهَ إِلَّا هُوَ الرَّحْمَنُ الرَّحِيمُ Your God is the one God. There is no one worthy of worship except him. He is the one who is Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, the Lord of mercy and the giver of mercy. So the one who truly wants to attain salvation, wants to turn to Allah Azza wa in repentance, they know and they do so knowing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one true God worthy of worship. None has the right to be worshipped except him. And Allah Azza wa concludes this verse with those amazing names of his and those amazing attributes of mercy. That if you turn to Allah with sincerity, you take that first step to Allah Azza wa you open that door of tawbah for yourself and walk through it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will do the rest in terms of showering his mercy and his forgiveness upon you. May Allah Azza wa shower his mercy and forgiveness upon each and every single one of us. Barakallahu feekum wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم